0: Hey, okay, ramblers,
1: let's get rambling.
0: Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a
2: thing. Now funny how? I mean funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you?
3: With all due respect, what
0: the f- are you talking
1: about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the is f-
0: so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what you You represent the idiocy of
4: today. I did not know that.
0: English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my
4: together, Is my together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything.
5: <laughs> well, <what's up? laughs> well Station Jackson. I'm Mr. Ben Burnham on the board, SFU Futures Up 22, As that features up seventy five. We have Mr. Kevin with us.
4: You do, live from southern Indiana. Uh
5: Southern Indiana? What are you doing down there with all the Jakes?
4: We're hanging out at French Lake.
5: Really? Yeah. I was at French Lake once. Yeah. It was interesting. We do lose a bet. Um, we actually went, I don't know what possessed my stepfather. This had to be Oh God! We used to go up to we used to go up to Door County every year for vacation, and one year he decided we're going to go to French Lick, and I'm thinking, okay. So we drive down to French Lick. This is long before I-65, right? So we had to take like 41 down or something. I don't know, 31. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just say it was old South. It was really old South. There was a uh, one big resort there uh, that was still open, and uh, all the waiters. Were black, golf course was horrendous, uh, and it, it was like you were in Mississippi or someplace. This is, this had to be 19, in the '60s, and uh, the the place that had the second largest, had the largest uh, suspended dome of any building until the Houston Astrodome was in French Lick, and the re- the thing that made French Lick uh, famous was. They had gambling down there during the what the twenties and the thirties or whatever, and yeah, uh
4: it was a giant speakeasy.
5: Yeah, and the, the, the I think it was the, was it the Monon lines something left from the south side of Chicago. A train every Friday night that got you down there and brought you back on Sunday. It was just a massive, and we you got to walk out on this floor of this place with this big dome. It was no, you know nowhere near the size of the Astrodome, and I think all that's been repaired and reopened and everything, isn't
4: it? Yeah, yeah, There's still the one big resort down here. Uh, it has a casino. Um, it's uh, you know, it, it's a, a big conference center uh, as well, and, and they have a lot of facilities for that. And it's done up. Um, it, you know, it's it, it, obviously it's it's had to be modernized, but it still is trying to give you that old time feel. Um, but the uh, yeah, the the makeup of the. Uh, uh, wait staff and support staff and so on is uh, a little bit different than it was back in the
5: day. Um, and, and we went for a walk one day, I still remember this, and all the rednecks and the pickup trucks were going by yelling at us because they knew we were from the north.
4: It was oh, I'd yell at you too.
5: Oh yeah, but I mean, it, there's, there's, there's a reason why, you know, Larry Bird is known as the hick from French Lick. I mean, because French Lick is was really... Southern Indiana is way higher than people can afford, because that's what we don't ever look at the real real cause of these things. Now, this time the the uh median price of a house just snuck over four hundred thousand. And that's countrywide. So where you are and where we're even to the extent where I am, in Orland and something, the median price is probably not four hundred, it's probably less than that, a little bit. But let's say it's three fifty or three hundred seventy five, so basically fifty percent higher than it was in two thousand and seven. Well I don't I don't think so, so, where would that put the, the the number you need to carry the place? Interest rates are a little less, so let's be generous and say, one twenty. All right, one fifteen. Now, this is combined income, but sorry about individual person. Now, one twenty, one fifteen. I'm going to say is less than ten percent of the population make that, Kevin, and and you're talking about your guys through your guys through the education that you're helping them out with. And and some increase in salaries. They're essentially going from fifteen dollars an hour to twenty seven, say, or I'll make it I'll make it easy or twenty five. Okay, which is one hell of a jump, but that comes down to thirty thousand a year before, now fifty, which is a hell of a lot better than thirty, and a huge step up for them and kudos to you guys for helping out. It's nowhere near one hundred twenty. For right. the and, house. and
4: still and and yeah and so part of the mission here is not just to get them into that next job but to prepare them to be successful so they keep getting promoted and to prepare now, to live in a that, tent you know yeah. and, and and that's and and that doesn't change the point you're making which is that the math just ain't working so well for us
5: no i mean and you you have do you want to teach them two things one is to to do way better at work and to really learn how to use a tent because that's where we're going to be friggin' living you
2: yeah, I just graduated from college. Yeah, it, we took tent tent making one hundred and one there. Did you really? Yeah. How'd you do in that? I got it. I got it, uh. I did all right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you were no, you're not known as a master tent maker. Well, I don't want to toot my own horn. I don't want to say that I was the best tent maker, but I was an all right tent maker. Now, are we
5: talking tents from like LL Bean or what kind of tents? Are we talk army tents. Uh, lean tos. Lean tos. Mm-hmm. What 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 is what is a, other than in a Western movie? What's a lean to?
2: Oh, I mean, I, I, I was a Boy Scout, actually, and lean-tos are the ones where you uh, uh, you put the stick in the ground and you cover it with a blanket, almost. Uh-huh. So, like, like, you lean onto it. You lean onto it so it covers you uh, while you're sleeping. I see. Yeah. <laughs>
5: um, wouldn't you be better off in, like, a
2: Winnebago or something? You can definitely try.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't fit my definition of camping. Camping is when the, restu- uh, the uh, motel does not have a restaurant.
5: Yeah, that's, that's about the true say? If I can't plug in the blow dryer, it's not for me. <laughs> Just saying, uh, I, one of the, one, get a little of this. One of the guys, uh, that I tr- traded like right next to literally for uh, years, he was up with one of the Boy Scout trips for his kids. They were, they were camping near the Wisconsin River. Remember, remember the night they had a massive flood up there and all those people drowned? His group barely got out, Kevin. It was more of this oh. camping that meets the eye. Uh, they, had a fl- they had a flash flood in the Wisconsin River Valley, which, you know, happens once a century, and they happened to be there that night. Yeah,
4: they happened to pick the
5: day. Yeah, so, so Kevin, how, how how are these numbers going to match up? I mean, and I just sent you a... Um, a th- uh, we'll, we'll open this topic, then we're we'll going to break. How does this thing, I mean, we have the Fed uh, this morning, the article I sent you was... Uh, Everybody's convinced that the only way the market's going down is if the Fed quote messes up. And yet this morning, I'm looking at at GameStop, I don't, these guys did something last night, and they're up 25 bucks to 192.30. Kevin, they've never made a net. This, this is a bizarre world that this thing is trading above $20. You know, I'm not, not saying short it, because if you just short it last night, you got stuck where the sun don't shine. I mean, don't, don't take investment advice, but I'm just saying I'm looking at it going, how have we maneuvered the the, the game, the, the the trading industry to where this thing is trading there, and the Fed feels obligated to keep it there? I mean, what are we doing, Kevin? And meantime, you guys are trying to get to fifty to sixty grand, which is like, you know, swimming halfway out in the middle of Lake Michigan—you got half to go. I mean, we're we're not even on the same page with some of this stuff. Or where am I wrong?
4: I I, I don't think you are wrong, and and I think a lot of it. Uh, A lot of it is who, you know, who is bending the ear of the decision-makers. And, frankly, a lot of it's the decision-makers themselves. You know, before before I called in, I uh, I, I saw a little snippet of the president talking about oil prices. And he said uh, um, oil prices were up before uh, Putin because COVID caused lower demand. Uh, I don't think that's what makes oil prices, I don't think that's what makes prices go up, is less demand.
5: (laughs) Yeah, the, uh, the man has, and, and, but this is not just since he's.
4: But, but his what dope. I'm saying is that's the kind of that's the kind of critical thinking that we have, not just in this White House, but in many White Houses.
5: But how, do, how does it? I don't see how that. How do you get there without well, whatever? S <laughs> P Futures up 19. <laughs> uh, <of course. laughs> You're, I'm frustrating myself here. S P Futures up 19. Nasdaq Futures up 67. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks.
0: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy?
1: Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help.
5: Stocks, jocks, and
0: jocks,
5: stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen Mr. Matt Byrne on the war. SB futures up 1975 as 75 futures up $72. Except for... A fairly good down day yesterday. We closed right on our lows. Uh, we're making some of that back here. The Dow features up 172. Individual stocks in the Dow, we got Goldman Sachs up almost four bucks, 396. Home Depot, which was down a bunch yesterday, up two. We've got uh, Boeing up one. We've got 3M up 141. So mostly, uh, Procter Gamble up 120. Nothing major, just, uh, everybody up pretty much across the board. Uh, over in Asia, we've got UK down 155.6%. Shanghai, up thirty point nine percent. These guys are are mixed. Like every day now, it's really kind of crazy. Hang Seng up forty two point two. So not much going on over there. But uh, H- the Shanghai making the only like real move, almost a point or a percentage point. Uh, over in the U.S., yesterday the Dow was down five fifty, S and P down seventy two, Nasdaq down two twenty one. So we're back twenty two percent of that, let's say. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the Dax up sixty two point four, FTSE up nineteen point two. Check around up 31.5. They were all down yesterday. Uh, Bonds, 2.41, up 8 uh, basis points because they took a hit yesterday. Uh, Bund, up 3 basis points two, uh, to .58. Japan unchanged at .22. We've got oil uh, down 33 cents. Wow, 99.95, so under 100 bucks. Again, we're going to talk a lot with Carl coming on about a bit regarding the Strategic Oil uh, Reserve. Uh, Brent, down a penny to 104.70. Natural gas, down three cents, 5.61. Our Bob, unchanged at 3.14. Uh, gold, down 22 bucks to 1931. Silver down 32 cents, 24.80. Copper down five cents, 4.69. And we've got Bitcoin, down 448, 45,248. So it's actually down like 2,500
2: from yesterday morning. Uh, we were, we were over 47,000. Matt, what do you have for us traffic weather sports? Yeah, well, good morning. It's currently 6.35 a.m. on April 1st, 2022. Happy, uh, April Fools, everybody. Uh, first off in sports and, and NBA last night, the Bulls take down the LA Clippers 130 to 135. Tonight, the Suns at the Mem- Memphis Grizzlies at the FedEx Forum, so tune into that. Uh, and the N- NHL last night, Blackhawks beaten pretty badly by Florida Panthers, uh, pretty brutal, uh, 0 to 4. They were were three gold underdogs or something. Yeah. (laughs) They're horrible. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not pretty, but at least uh, you can look forward to the Coyotes uh, at home uh, tonight taking on the Anaheim Ducks. And, of course, tomorrow night, uh, Final Four for the NCAA. Uh, First game is Villanova versus Kansas, and that's at 5.09 Central Time. Uh, Second game, uh, North Carolina at Duke, 7.49 Central Time as well. All right. Who do you like? Who do I? I got to say... I'm
5: going with North Carolina. Really? Yeah. That would be the... It has to be one of the lowest seeds to
2: ever win if they win. Really? They were like, well,
5: they were like a 10, weren't
2: they? I've been in and out. I've been in and out of it, so I, I kind of have uh, a base. And the North Carolina just... First one comes comes to, comes to mind, so I'll take it, I'll take it. Yeah, well, uh, Kevin will find on that in a second. Alright, sounds good. Uh, weather currently in Chicago, uh, you know, just when you thought winter is over, here it is back again, uh, 34 degrees, very cold out there, very uh, freezing, it snowing this morning, uh, high of 42, low of 34, and, uh, yeah, stay tuned for Chicago. Uh, Phoenix, clear skies, 61 degrees, high of 85, and a low of 60. current traffic in Chicago, traffic westbound on Dan Ryan between South Union Avenue and Randolph Street with a focus at Taylor Street, traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Foster and North Harlem Avenue, traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between North Harlem and Foster, traffic northbound on Stevenson between South Central and Kedzie Avenue, and finally traffic northbound on Lakeshore between 18th and East Jackson. That's all we got. Back to you, Chief.
5: Uh, Kevin, i got to believe that yesterday, or for sure today, was the original uh, opening day scheduled. It was miserable yesterday. <laughs> Glad it wasn't. uh somebody the people with tickets, will be happy. Yesterday was not opening day. It rained all day long. And well, it was, and, what, thirty
4: eight. And the, the Cubs are, are scheduled to host opening day. What next week? End of yeah. next week, whenever it is. And it, it's interesting. I don't know why they would ever do opening day anywhere but in a warm weather climate or a dome. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there are teams who say, "Oh no, we want to host the the real opening day, not just the home opener." And there's probably some some you know something to be said for that argument. But for crying out loud, you you know, in the first week of the season, why do you want to get behind on your schedule right off the bat? Why do you want to start canceling games right off the bat? And that's what winds up happening.
5: What was the one year? I'm, I'm losing track of time here. <laughs> as you as you're not 25 anymore, you lose track of time, but. Wasn't, wasn't, this, this was a, within the last decade, I'm going to say six, six, seven years ago, the weather was so brutal in April that the Cubs and Sacks each lost like five or six games. Didn't Minnesota lose like 12 of their
4: Yeah, game? there was something huge like that. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that.
5: I mean, it was, cause it was just, unpl- I mean, didn't it like. Didn't they have like eight inches of snow on the ground? Like the first week, they lost like their
4: whole first week or something bizarre. <laughs> I mean, it was like you say. It, it, well, and, and and it's even if you play, it's miserable. Yeah, you know who who wants to who wants to play and who wants to watch a game in that kind of weather? Um, it, when I lived in Milwaukee, one of the really nice things about Miller Park was that I could always buy tickets for a game and know I was going to be there and it was going to be comfortable. They were going to play.
5: Were you uh, you always Miller Park the roof or you,
4: If it was bad,
5: were you up there when it was Still County Stadium?
4: uh for a year or so uh maybe two because i i was there when the uh, uh, uh the crane uh buckled when they were doing a lift of a section of the roof and uh and that delayed everything for a, a year.
5: I remember that so yeah.
4: Maybe maybe for two years. But I, you know Miller Miller Park's a nice stadium uh for you know for a a dome type of place I would say it's about as well done as it can be done. um it always had a good feeling to it, so uh, you know I really enjoyed it. But yeah, you could, you know, I buy tickets for a game in April and and know that it was going to play and I was going to be in shirt sleeves. Really? Well, it's
5: not a it's not a bad do. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit, not so much about the mechanism of the uh, of the uh, what do you call it? the uh, strategic oil reserve. I got some stats, and we'll be able to hit that up with Carl and include the employment report. <laughs> but um, I, I was listening to some of the news conference yesterday, and listening to you know to Biden is always a trip. It's not it's not as bad as Trump, <laughs> but it's but it's in its own way it's it's just as just as bizarre.
4: Uh, well, they, they both have their ways of going off script. Yeah, you know. So uh, you know, Biden when he goes off script, he just says something totally preposterous that they have to walk back, and. Um, and he's been doing that a lot lately. But, but with Trump, you, you could, the cue was to listen for the words, oh, by the way, or by the way. It's sort of like a Steve uh, Jobs yeah, used
5: to do that, right? Pardon? Steve Jobs used to do that when he introduced a new product. Oh, by the way, we got this like new product.
4: Well, he, Trump would say by the way, and that meant he was going to veer off of the script and go way into yeah. God knows where. And you never knew if he was coming back. <laughs> um, you know for for someone who does a little bit of public speaking teaching, it was always good for examples of you know that if, if you want to go off your uh, off your script or if something comes up, you do have to make sure and be very conscious of having a way back to what you were trying to accomplish <laughs> i don 't think he ever did it just it w- it went off to Neverland and God knows where it was going where it was going to land
5: um, but i would I would say that the thing that is is a, a constant is that the that the reporters there and I I uh I'll go back to the time we had Cheryl Atkinson on the uh show with us and hopefully we'll get her again one of these days but um uh, we were talk I was talking about the you know the interviews with the Fed chairman. And you know and she's well she's very nice and uh and she's always very prepared and she's a great guest and uh so I was I was kinda quizzing her about why didn't why don't the uh no, the woman might have been, it was probably Bernanke at the time. I said, "Why? Why didn't they? Why wasn't this the obvious follow-up question?" And she, and she, she's polite and nice. she goes, "Chief, it, you're not there. You have a, an economics background. You know what the next question is. I knew what the next question because she's got an economics background, and it wasn't asked." Because it's not like, it's some combination of don't, not wanting to ask the wrong question because you're not going to get invited back, but really is, they don't know. They have no idea, they're, they're going to they're quiz people about a war in Africa, they don't even know what the African map looks like. They're going to go to a, a Fed thing and talk about, you know, the quiz the Fed and, and the, they, they get fed one question from maybe their newspaper. They don't think about money supply, they don't think about Fed policy. Because they're not you. Now, that seems to have been, now yesterday, how does, there's a lot of people in this country, uh, Matt, uh, young people, not accusing of anything, that don't even know what the strategic preserve is, when it started, why it started, uh, what it was supposed to entail, those kinds of things. So, you would think that there would be some questions like, uh, Mr. President, okay, when the, when you release this oil, who gets it? <coughs> At what price? Who benefits from it? Are you going to let it out at market price, where the the government <coughs> uh, makes um, you know seventy dollars a barrel or whatever? Are you going to let it out at thirty dollars a barrel and give it to certain people? What are you going to do? What, what? How does somebody not ask that question? Where does it go? What refinery gets it?
4: Well, and if you're going to let it out below market price, are you going to then dictate what the uh, what the pump price needs to be for that company's? Uh, uh, you,
5: you know that's not going to um, happen. You, you, there's no way on earth that that's going to show up on one of the pumps at the Myers where I get gas is going to be uh, gas 250 a gallon because this is the stuff that came out of the reserve. And if you're lucky enough to get that pump, uh, no, no way that's happening, Kevin. It,
4: you don't, you don't think Biden would be distributing those little "I did that" stickers that people are putting on the pumps if the price were down a buck? I, I'm
5: going to say somewhere along he, the line, it'd
4: probably be all over that, or at least uh, you know the, the DNC would.
5: If, if you believe it, the average price of, uh, barrel oil in the reserve, and there's like, what, 670 million barrels of oil in there. It's essentially a 1300, uh, 1300 day supply or something? I don't know. I've got the old stuff here. I'll like go over with Carl. But, um, anyway, so you, so let's say you pull out a million barrels. Alright, so if your price really is 28 bucks, and today's price is, well, back up just a hair no matter no matter what the price is you're looking at in oil that I'm going to say that's a fictitious price okay say for instance that the price of corn is $8 a bushel it's $8 a bushel in New Orleans or at the Marseille delivery point it's not $8 a bushel on your farm in the back of your pickup truck on your table right? it's at it's, 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 certain places which means you've got to get it there so, okay, I don't know that there's a pipeline necessarily from these places to uh, whatever refinery they're going to go to. We're going to go through where the places are when Carl's in Carlson. I don't know if it's necessarily a pipeline, but if there is, it's got to be five bucks a barrel to get it from wherever you are. That's That would be the cheapest, Kevin. But if you are loading it on rail or anything like that, it's way more. Uh, so there's there's going to be a basis difference. But let's say, for instance that that the price of oil today let's say it's 110 and your cost to get it there is 10 bucks. Okay, so now your net's $100 on this oil. Somebody paid somewhere 28.90 for this. Now, are we going to go first in first out? Which which price are we taking out? Which oil are we taking out? Are we going to last in first out. Okay, so let's say the number's 28. We're talking $72 of profit here someplace. Are we going to dump that on the market at market price and the government grabs a million barrels times seventy two dollars, is seventy two million bucks. It says thank you very much and it goes into the budget. Uh but now we're we're putting more oil into the system, so in theory we're lowering the price a little bit. Um we're not gonna try, I don't think, to run it through and say this is our oil at twenty eight bucks. When it comes out the other end, the RBOB for that oil is two bucks and that three, and we're gonna put it in you know, whatever, uh B fifty twos or yeah, something. You know?
4: The point the point being is who is going to get the benefit right. of this? And and the other point, the other question is, you know, it, why did we create the strategic oil reserve? And given that reason, is this uh, uh, does this release support it? So the reason, you know, strategic oil reserve goes back to seventy five after the yeah. uh, Arab oil embargo. Um, we were totally afraid of another such disruption because it was it was so bad. And for those that don't remember. I think it was seventy four, seventy three. Well, there were two. Every there was, the, it was
5: there was the Israeli where,
2: war. Where
4: we had we had an embargo because of our support for Israel, yeah. when they were at war with uh, uh, some Arab countries, and so we were we were actually rationing gas in this country. You know that there, there was there was odd and even rationing uh, that said you know based on your license plate number, if it ended in an odd number, you could only get gas on odd number days, and even. Uh, uh, if your license plate ended in an even number, you could get gas on even number of days of the month. And then on top of that, there were, uh, uh, in many cases, pump limits, so you could get no more than $10 worth of gas or $15 worth of gas or whatever the limit was. So we didn't want that kind of a disruption again, so we created the uh, Strategic Oil Reserve for that purpose. Now, I don't know if an embargo if an embargo that we chose to put on Russian oil Qualifies, and I am pretty darn as a reason for dumping a million barrels or a million whatever it is uh, units of of gasoline into the system. I also don't know that um, that gas prices are high. Everybody's blaming the president, and the president needs some political relief from that. I don't think that's the reason for releasing oil out of the strategic oil reserve either. So that's kind of my take on the situation. Is uh, you know I would be very very happy to see lower gasoline prices at the pump. Uh, I don't know if this will be ten cents, eleven cents, or uh, or or fifty cents, or what you know what difference it could possibly make. Whatever it is,
5: they're going to take credit for it.
4: Whatever it is, they're going to take credit for it, which is which is fine. But again, is is it the proper stewardship of what that reserve is? Well, Kevin,
5: look at the look at the amount of uh, and this this is. I don't know, I, I guess we're, we're, we're talking about people, and there's always going to be issues with people, right? Uh, what's his name? Sully, the the big guy in CNBC yesterday, was talking about. And I, I apologize for this. I don't know if he said 16 or 45, so let's go with the lower number. He said there's actually 16 tankers from Russia on the high seas coming this way. And because the that oil was allegedly purchased, uh during this, some 45 day window, I don't know when this was, a couple of months ago, or six weeks ago or whatever, where it was still legal to buy Russian oil, we're going to allow this oil to show up and be offloaded, okay so, which means to me, that in the midst of this huge, we're not going to do anything with the Russians somebody in this country powerful enough, rang the phone in the Oval Office and said, hey Joe, I got 16 ships coming over here don't tell me I can't land them. And, and all the other stuff where if you and I want to buy, you know, a Russian, so, so Russian. But we can't,
4: we can't stack them up behind another hundred ships yeah. at the Port of Los Angeles if that's okay with
5: you. Well, I mean, but uh, we're talking about an oil tanker. So the, uh, yeah. I mean, so it, it, just like the big issue with, uh, two weeks ago with the Russian, uh, you know, hundred million dollar interest payment. When these guys are supposedly totally blackballed from any of the international Payments mechanism well somebody in this country made the same call hey Joe whether it's Blackrock whether it's Goldman whether it's City whoever the hell it is that hundred million dollars is mine you better let it in you know or, or, or else and, and and it sailed through how did that how did that hundred million sail through who did it go to Kevin I mean you and I I mean I got to believe if we had a relative in Russia that money's not coming here if he wanted to ship us his last. Fifty bucks because he didn't want Putin to get it or whatever. I mean, these rules are made to be broken by the right people. When when are we going to change this? I I think the word, I think the term is never. And do you think the the, the American people really care that these? All they care about if if you let the sixteen Russian ships land and my my gas price is four twenty five instead of four twenty seven, go for it. They don't care. So, I mean, what, what are we doing here? I mean, I, I always ask myself every day, what are we doing here?
4: Um, I, the, the real question is, do we know what we're doing here, or, um, uh, or or are we just blundering our way through it? Is it a blunder our way through it, or is it intentional? Probably
5: intentional. I think perhaps. it's probably intentional. What did, what did the song say? Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Is that where we're at?
4: Um... I don't know what time is it. Yes, <laughs> uh, um, you got to say I don't care. I don't care. Um, I, what difference does it
5: make? Matt's supposed to take care of the time. We don't. We don't care. Six
4: fifty-two.
5: See, Matt's all over the time, so Matt cares. All right. So there. So, uh, so what else you
4: got? What do you let's list, talk about uh, it, we uh, wait we, we, a second? I, as far as unemployment numbers, I just figure they'll tell us, and then we'll uh, and then we'll see what let's uh, give uh, let's give uh, say about it. Let's
5: give two minutes to the article about all the, the parties. In Washington, and let's, uh, the rest of it, let's talk NCAA, which is more fun. Did you see the okay. one, you see the one about, what's, what's the guy's name? Uh, that he was, uh, he, he, he commented to some, uh, reporter they got invited to some higher up in Congress's party at his house, which basically is a, was an orgy with drugs. And, uh, and he, he commented that, I can't believe I got invited and he had this, some of these things and they immediately told him, shut up, you're not supposed to talk about that.
4: Yeah, it, uh, so the, uh, uh, the representative is a guy named Madison Cawthorn from, I believe, North Carolina, uh, and he was on a podcast, and, uh, and, uh, and so uh, he, he said the... Uh, here's, here's the quote. He said, The sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, being a young guy in Washington where the average age in Congress is probably 60 or 70, and I look at these people who I looked up to my entire life, I always paid attention to politics. Guys, that you know, then all of a sudden you get invited to, hey, we're going to have some kind of sexual get together at one of our homes. You should come. Uh, and he says, What did you just ask me to come to? And then I realized that they're asking you to come to an orgy. <laughs> uh, the fact that some of the people are uh, unleading, and he talked about, you know, he went on, he talked about, uh, uh, you know, a lot of cocaine use and everything else. And, and basically what he was saying was it is a totally decadent place. That you know, any caricature of it on a TV show, like what was it, House of Cards? Um, that uh, it, it, any caricature of it is just scratching the surface on it. And of course, the immediate uh, pushback from people in Congress, maybe, maybe legitimately, maybe they're saying you're painting with too broad a brush and you're giving people an impression that isn't true, or maybe because we just don't want that. We want to keep this under the uh, radar. I don't know, but man, he's getting blowback from all directions. Well, uh, I'll
5: bet I mean, it's, I it's, a, it's a, I bet it's a small group of people that he's, that he's sort of let in. But for clearly, nobody wants to talk about that small group of people.
4: Um, I, no, no, well, yeah, and it's it's names that you know, maybe leadership, etc. Yeah,
5: Matt, uh, are you? Would you be very upset if I told you that even though I was a child in the '60s and '70s? I've never actually been invited to or attended an orgy. Does that make me a, a, a smaller man or what? Hmm.
2: You know, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I will say, you know, if you are talking about the orgies, that's a good way not to get invited to the next orgy.
5: Uh, oh, I don't think any of my guys are. We're, we're not orgy, orgy ready anymore, are we, Kevin? <laughs> 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 not, without, not without
4: the prescription. Well, compared
5: to um, the guys in Washington, we, you we'd might. We'd have to have a, do- yeah. doc- a doctor at the door, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, well, and EMT as well.
5: What's <laughs> like, well, you know, we'd be, we'd be handing out pills, but not the kind everybody's thinking about. <laughs> I mean, uh, don't. I, the thing of it is, I never had a chance to say no. I never got invited.
4: That um, kind of, that kind of I, sucks. I, I, I'm I'm sorry that you know does that does that give you a big hit to the self esteem? Um, I, I got invited
5: to a few of the ones at uh, board of trade stuff, and there was a lot of lot of drugs there. The the, the funniest one was. Uh, I went and these guys had all their, their lines of coke, uh, all out on the coffee table, right? I, when I went, well, I, what made me odd at this, at the, uh, exchange, Kevin, and other than the reasons of my mind anyway, was I had a couple other jobs. So when I showed up at the exchange, I was 30, 31, and, uh, or 30-ish, and, uh, and everybody else had started there as like a clerk and something, and they were kind of wild and crazy in their 20s. So I was older and, I'm gonna use the term a little more mature. But I went to this one party, and they got about seven lines of coke, and everybody's all lining up. Not me; I never, I never touched it. But they, al- they also had a golden retriever. The golden retriever comes in, runs by the table, one sweep of the tail. <laughs> these dudes are like these dudes are like snorting. His- <laughs> 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 these dudes,
4: they <laughs> were It's like that scene in uh, in, in Annie Hall where yeah. uh, Woody Allen uh, they they hand him this little tin of cocaine, and he's looking at it and. He takes a little dip, puts it by his nose, and he sneezes and sends it flying all over the
5: place. These uh, guys were—they were debating whether they should start snorting the shag rug. Literally, I was dying laughing. Anyway, what about the what about this NCAA? What about this basketball? Get away from orgies. Who do you like?
4: NCAA. I think Kansas. Um, they're the best team I've seen so far.
5: The only problem I have with Kansas is last night. In our Thursday night caucus, everybody there is for Kansas, and these guys have never been right. So, what do you, would North Carolina be the be the highest seed to ever win?
4: They got to be how close. Low was, yeah, uh, how low was NC State when they won it? Or Villanova? Villanova was like coming out of the eight, nine, something like I mean, that. I'm going to say eight, nine. Um, I don't, I don't. So it would be about the same as Carolina and. Um, NC State. I can't remember if they were any lower than that.
5: Yeah, they, they when, were. Uh, they beat when Balbano won it. They won. They beat who? They beat. They, beat, they didn't beat Faisalajama. Who they win? They beat. They beat Georgetown, right?
4: Um. No, no. Villanova beat Georgetown.
5: Yeah, it beat Georgetown
4: after losing to them three times during the during the season. Who, who lost beat? to them twice during the regular season, once during the Big East tournament, and then beat them in the national championship game.
5: I can't remember who beat um, Faisalajama. What it was a long time ago uh,
4: I'm, I'm trying to think it, it might have been
5: Houston um, yeah it might have been the reason why I remember exactly that one it, is because I, I went to a Calcutta and <laughs> some of these guys from the trading floor paid 55 grand for Five Slam and Jam if they didn't make it their final four they had a loser and I think they won by a point in their first game or second game in, on a on a real a real happy call for them those guys would have been out like 50 <laughs> back when 50 was a lot of dough and it was cash mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, we don't like Duke, North Carolina. Matt, um, Matt here likes North Carolina. Well,
4: I, I, I don't like them. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would go with that, but I don't like North Carolina either. Uh, as far as well, North Carolina just beat them pretty good in the uh, in the regular season finale. I don't. North Carolina is a flaky team. They, they they have a couple of guys who can are hot and cold shooters. And then they have one guy who plays, you know, anywhere within five feet of the basket. He's really effective named Or uh, Baycott. And, um, and Baycott's, you know, like the leading rebounder in the conference and so on. He's, and, and he's a good ball player, but he's not, you know, he, he he's limited in, in his uh, distance from the basket. But if he's doing his thing and then their shooters are on, then they're a dangerous team.
5: What uh, no, and
4: I've I've seen them play. I've seen both of those teams play in person this year. Real quick,
5: Kevin, uh, the the kid being hurt from Vandy that puts them out. You think?
4: Uh, from from where?
5: Oh, was the kid the, the kid was hurt on the fourth team? Oh, from Villanova. Oh, no, sorry, from Villanova, sorry, Villanova.
4: Yeah, it probably does. And, and I don't think Villanova was a good matchup against Kentucky anyway. I, I, I that's that's the team that I the team in the program that I really like in the Final Four. Um, you know, I think, I think they run a pretty straight up program. I like Jay Wright as a coach. He seems like a decent guy. And I know that, um, that it, you know, the players that go to Villanova, they, I mean, they'll, they'll get anybody in who can clear the NCAA's minimum standards, but they get them through. They graduate and they can't take, you know, they don't have any, um, you know, they don't have the joke majors that a lot of the big state schools have, uh, where they can stash their athletes. They have a pretty basic, um, uh, core of, of, uh, programs of study at Villanova. So I, I really have a lot of respect for the way they run their yeah, programs too. and have over for a long time.
5: Alright Kevin, take care, bud. SB Future's up 19, NASA Future's up 76. Be right back with Carl Denninger.
1: stocks one dollar for equity options and one dollar minimum a trade
2: our clients at pti pro direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general we trade every day we love this stuff
1: that's what i like most about pti ProDirect: cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders it's the best of both worlds
2: tell your friends that's ptiprodirect.com ptiprodirect.com
0: The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks,
5: jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Well, welcome back, and Jacks. I'm Tom Hale, Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. futures up 20. We've been pretty steady around his 20 number here. Uh, NASDAQ Futures up 75. This is ahead of the labor numbers, and uh, I think we're looking for, um what, 450 or something today with the unemployment rate going down. Mr. Carl, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we were just wondering, uh, how many orgies have you been invited to, and have you said yes?
4: Well, you know, I haven't been invited to any
5: orgies you're the same boat as me is it? it's not good
4: well i'm thinking you know i don't know i'm thinking this is kind of an insult
5: yeah i'm thinking too
4: yeah you know, it's uh i guess it just is what it is you know i don't have a bruce willis sort of bod so uh there you uh,
5: i think if you got enough money nobody cares what the bod looks like
2: yeah well you want to add insult to injury ben franklin back in the day he used to go to a lot of orgies especially in france
4: well, I'm willing. I'm willing to bet that if I had a a big bag full of cocaine, I'd be invited.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. It was always the the trick when, <laughs> when, when I when I first started the trading floor. If you had the blow, you had girlfriends and you had well, whatever else you wanted. But
4: anyway, well, I, was just I was saying, you know, I think there's, you know, I have, I have a suspicion. So yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I, one of the things that uh, you know, when you look at the flack that, of course, Cawthorne's uh, has taken for this, the um, one of the amusing components of it is that among anybody who has ever actually interacted with any of those creatures in the D.C. area, and I'm not just talking about uh, Congress and their staff, but all of the other uh, people at the in the upper echelons not not uh, not the uh, the clerk that goes to work every day. All right. Um, if you think that kind of filth isn't there, and a whole lot of uh, more filthy things that are wildly illegal. I mean, an orgy, as long as it's all consenting adults, is not. Uh, the drugs are, but you know, but the, but the orgy isn't. Um, you're not. That stuff is everywhere. And there is a ridiculous concentration, and and there's there are a fair number of people who believe that there is absolutely no way that anybody gets into a high position without having something like that. That uh, you know, having having been extended such an invitation and accepted, uh, and of course there's a camera running.
5: Well, how much of it, Carol? Is it is everybody wants to know wants to have something on everybody else to be in the club?
4: Well, yeah, I mean it's one of the i mean if you just take a look at some of the some of the crazy stuff that's happened over the you know over the years uh now there is this big scream fest going on about dropping the COVID emergency and it is not because there is a huge number of people who are still going to the hospital with COVID. i mean if you if you look at the cdc data the latest, the latest data that we have is from March 26th, the week ending March 26th. That's uh, MMWR week 12. Uh, there, uh, among 65 plus year olds, there were under 200 admissions across the entire country. Well, I think, I mean, I. I, I it, it, well, so it's, you know, but I mean, obviously, this is you know, I mean, we're talking about what have I got here? Two, three. So under under five hundred, for all ages, everywhere in the United States. Okay, so so there's 50 states. So this is an average of 10, right?
5: I uh, what I'm trying to get to here. I'm not I'm not debating any of the of the of the numbers you're looking at. I when it blew through here, Chicago has been kind of an odd spot because uh, it blew here through here very early, on and then when the new right. the new uh, whatever the new, the new the new style the omicron came through, I'm thinking. If you, if you didn't get it, I didn't because I already had it, but, uh, if you didn't get it between December 15th and, and, and New Year's Day, virtually every, except, well, my girlfriend didn't. I think she must have the, one of those T cell things or something because she had something long before the, or right before the COVID started. But, uh, anyway, I'm going to say everybody, everybody got it. Well, no, no, everybody's not everybody, but the, right. all the people who, who really didn't, uh, had taken the shots, uh, I've been mean, a few to taking this. Sh- a lot of people who had it before and then got vaccinated right afterward. Carl, they they got it too, and I, I didn't because I waited. I don't know because I waited, but I'm just saying what happened. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna say none of those people went anywhere near a doctor because it wasn't it wasn't necessary. They they knew what they had, and three four days they were okay. So I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, it is,
4: so anyway, the point of it isn't really so much that uh, you know. Okay, you know, here comes the death, right? Yeah. Because remember, we were promised that by Biden. If you did not go get the jab, you were going to die. This was going to be the winter of death and misery, and you know, and the world was going to come apart. By God, you had to go get jabbed. Okay, that didn't happen. No what the what the entire debate about is about now is not health. It is about the fact that the 20% bonus that hospitals and medical centers get for diagnosing a COVID case will go away. The EUA protections that allow the hospitals to do basically anything to you if you have COVID and not get sued for malpractice or prosecuted for homicide, those go away. All of the the money and it it disappears and the, the screaming is about the fact that this is going to hose the hospitals. In other words... It's bad that the pandemic's over. Oh, absolutely. If you, if you're uh, and so <laughs> I mean, but but you know, think about the craziness of that. For, so for two years, literally for two years, we've been told that the, you know the world is going to end if we don't wear masks. We don't do this. We don't do that. You know, all these different things. All these protections were put in place for for organizations and entities to do things regardless of whether or not they work regardless of whether or not they're to your benefit regardless of whether or not they actually kill you they're protected you can't sue Uh, sorry have a nice day goodbye granny's gone and and then the the actual data says that uh, it's over okay whether it's going to stay over is an open question but but as things stand right now it's over fine except it's not fine. We can't shut it down. We can't stop the crazy. And the reason we can't stop the crazy has nothing to do with health because they're, they're, the health thing is gone. The reason we can't stop the crazy is money.
5: Well, oh, Cal, how many, how many programs do we still have without any reason for the program?
4: By the way, the... Well, I, okay. You know, there's... <laughs> I know it's April 1st, so I can say things like this. Yeah. And maybe people will take it seriously, maybe they won't. You know, back in the 1970s, we had a similar situation arise with wild medical male pheasants with the DTP vaccine. There was a, there was a serious quality control problem. And of course, well, D- that D- D- jab D- is us kids. DTP is uh, diphtheria, whatever. Uh, diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis. Okay. Okay. By the way, if you need a tetanus shot, you cannot go get a tetanus shot. I did. No, no, it has the other two in it.
5: Um, This is a while while back. I had a a biking accident in Lincoln Park where I had a compound. Right, but
4: but the shot they gave you was DTAP.
5: I was in uh, whatever hospital I was in along the lake, and the guy said, you're not leaving for a day because you've got, uh, you had an opened whatever. Right. And we got to pump you through antibiotics. And we got to give you a tetanus shot. And I said, I don't want the other two because my mother was violently allergic to one of them. And I said, I might. Okay. One. And uh, the, guy, the guy says, maybe we've got one of the old ones here somewhere. should You should have yeah. seen the thing they came up with, Carl. It was one of those old big steel needles.
4: Yeah. God, well, that that's hurt. A, well, see, that hurt. So the, the, reason, the reason for this is that the standalone shot is not on the children's schedule. Right, the combination shot is therefore, if you get hosed by the combination shot, you can't sue. But if you got the other one and there was something wrong with it, you could, and that's why they're not made anymore.
5: I think uh, Meddy's little one just went and got her shots the other day.
4: Well, and, but here's but here's the nasty part of this. Okay, the entire structure we have around this stuff today came about because there was a quality control problem in the pertussis that's whooping cough part of the shot some of them some of the shots had very little active ingredient in it some of them had way too much and as a result a number of kids got very seriously injured and some died and all the parents did what you would expect somebody to do when some doctor screws them they sued the the cause of it was quite rapidly determined and the insurance carriers for the pharmaceutical industry said, "We're not going to off, We're not going to renew your business insurance for liability for these things, since you guys can't keep your act together." And it was it was purely a quality control problem. There wasn't anything inherently wrong with the vaccine. What was wrong was that they got sloppy. Well, okay. So the industry went to Congress, and rather than clean up their act rather than Congress telling them, well, you know what, you guys screwed up, you get to pay for it, uh, and then after that, you know, maybe you'll be a little more careful. No, 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 no. They set up the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act and theirs, which is the, the database that we have today that supposedly tracks these injuries, and gave them legal immunity along with assessing a very small per-dose tax to pay for the administration of this program. All right. So if we had stopped that, if, if uh, you know, I was this was in the 1970s, I was not yet an adult, um, but you know what, if I had been a parent and I had known that that was going on and my kid got hosed and I turned around and I slaughtered a few medical executives, a few pharmaceutical company executives, and then I got every single congressperson and their family who was talking about passing this thing, the entire mess that we just had happen for the last two years wouldn't have occurred. Because there would have been no structure in which to give people immunity for doing stupid stuff, and it, this is not about unavoidable risks that, right. of course, you have to take when you have an unknown thing that's going on. Right? You really don't have any control over it because it's too new, and you just don't know what's going on. No, no, no. That has nothing to do with unavoidable risks. It has to do with immunizing people from doing things that are later proven to be wildly negligent or worse.
5: Yeah, you shouldn't. It shouldn't be. A, there's never. There's always a, uh, I mean, I'm, not, I'm talking like I'm an attorney, and I'm surely not. Isn't there always a, a fraud part of that, though, Carl? That if somebody- well,
4: fraud videates fraud all contracts, okay? Yeah. So I did, if you could prove fraud. The problem is, is that what you, what you have done is create what, what happened in the 1970s. We created a system where the pharmaceutical companies, for all intents and purposes, are allowed to grade their own tests, right. grade their own homework. Okay. There's no doubt. And, seen, and and that the data is never fully exposed for outside people, whether they be lay people like myself, whether they be medical professionals, whether they be statisticians. You know That that data is never publicly released as part of drug trials.
5: Well, ever. Is, okay, so the question is, by the way, one thing you mentioned earlier is uh, Sunshine is really bad for umbrella sales, too
4: yeah it is you know isn't it funny how that works yeah and so you know but the but the thing is is that what you end up with is situations like what we have had happen this time around okay the same thing happened with aids where we 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 had the nih it actually Fauci she was personally involved heavily pushing the most expensive drug that had ever been prescribed in the united states that was that was that was azt okay it was a failed cancer drug that had failed on safety. And the reason it failed trials on safety was that it had a propensity to get into the bone marrow and destroy your bone marrow, which, by the way, happens to be the base of your T-cell immunity and you know pretty much all of the other immune stuff, never mind yeah. the production of red blood cells. And so the drug was so dangerous that it actually killed more people than the cancer did. And so it was, it was not approvable. Okay, fine then AIDS comes along, and maybe, if, if you had AIDS, it, it wasn't a cure, because during those years, if you had AIDS, you were going to die, right, there was nothing we could do, you did, and it was going to be a really bad, yeah, way there was, to yeah do it, was it was a horrible. really awful.
5: a couple of guys from right. floor died of it, it was awful, it was awful,
4: yeah, it was an awful way to die, you know, all kinds of nasty, weird stuff ultimately gets you that, that nobody ever sees in healthy individuals, but if you actually had AIDS and you used this drug it might give you some help for a short period of time but it would not change the final outcome but it was ridiculously expensive and, and the thing about it though was that at the time the tests the HIV tests until we came up with the second confirmatory test which took a few years the first screening test was notoriously inaccurate and it told a significant percentage of people who didn't have the disease that they actually did If you took that drug and didn't have HIV, it would kill you, you, and it would give you the symptoms, the actual same outcome, as if you had AIDS, because it destroyed your immune system, which, by the way, is what HIV does. So, how many of the people who died during those years... Of that disease, actually died of the disease, and how many were killed by the drug? We'll, we'll it, never know. The, yet, uh, I don't know if you remember Later uh, on, it was proved that this was, in fact, the case.
5: I don't, I don't know if you remembered, uh, but we were all living, hell, one of my guys just retired from us, and, and uh, Dr. J and I were living in this big house down in Beverly. And, uh, we were still on a trading floor. I mean, we first started on the trading floor. And uh, AIDS had come out, and for those that. Uh, uh, you know don 't remember it was it was because I want to get get off this topic real quick because we want to go to the the right. strategic reserve and stuff but i the, the one of the most incredible things that that, that a news media ever did uh Carl, in my opinion um, to change people 's opinion on a subject I think it was time magazine and uh at the time and, and the Reagan group was sort of involved in this they 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 thought it was it was strictly a gay disease, and right. by, and by the way it was you know it was God's uh, revenge for gay people or God knows what they were thinking. But
4: well, that's where God hates fags came from.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's where it came from, and it was it was really ugly to see even at the time because I I've never been anybody uh, you know I, I never want anybody sick or something bad to happen to somebody just because they were they were different than me. I just that was just not the way I was brought up, Kyle. I don't think it was the way you were brought up. But there was a lot of that going on and in Time magazine at the time, there was no test for if you gave blood, there was no test to see if there was the AIDS right. germ germ whatever it is in in that, in in the in the blood so a real lot of people had AIDS that were not gay okay um, so Time magazine all of a sudden I go to the front door and we always had we always got u s News and World Report Carl we either got time or Newsweek. I go pick oh, yeah. up in the mailbox, and all of a sudden the magazine is like this big thick thing, and I'm going, what the bleep? And uh, time, uh, must have had a hundred pages in the middle, maybe it was less than that, uh, of the faces of AIDS. And they had all yeah. these faces of people who died from AIDS that were, that were not gay, not that they deserved to die. And, and, and how this disease was way worse than anybody. You know, you know who died uh, from AIDS was uh, Amanda Blake.
4: Yeah, well, there, well, one of the things that was a real, uh, was, was horrid was that before we figured out how to screen for this stuff in the blood supply, the people who were hemophiliac, yeah. of course, they have to have the clotting factor transfusion, you know, on a, on a regular basis or they die because they, their blood doesn't clot otherwise. And, and we killed because of, of our failure to interdict that. Uh, I think we killed something like 40 or 50% of the hemophiliacs in the United States.
5: Well, and the, but the amount of, uh, people from the, that owned wineries and stuff in, in San Francisco, because that's kind of where the hotbed of it was, the amount yeah. of those guys that, that died from transfusions and stuff, that's what Amanda Blake died from. She died from a transfusion and she got AIDS. Anyway, hey, yeah. we got 10 minutes before the number comes out. Uh, yep. we did, I didn't cover the, the real nuts and bolts of this, uh, um uh, strategic oil, oil reserve. Uh, so I was I was leaving that for you. Um, I'm looking at the that the uh the, the storage capacity is what 714 million barrels, and we're at what 699 or nine or something. So we're pretty close to the top. I mean, I, and th- these are these sounds like places where you would have lived: Bayou Choctaw, West Hackberry, Big Hill, and Bryan Mound. Where the hell are these places, Carl?
4: Well, basically, what they what they look for are formations. Underground, where you can shove oil. It's basically the reverse of drilling for it and pumping it out. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's the, the easiest way to think about it. And and you pump it in instead of pumping it out. And the idea being that uh, when you know when there's a huge need, uh, it's there. And uh, yeah, I heard the I heard the first hour, and yeah, it came about as a result of the Arab oil embargo and the realization in the United States that, uh, essentially we, if we ever got into a war or some other serious situation and our oil supply was cut off, uh, we would be facing what Hitler had to face during World War II, because Germany did not have much in the way of petroleum resources. Uh, they said, if, rather than fix this, which by the way, we knew how to fix, uh, and we knew how to fix this a long time ago, and we've refused to do it, which is really stupid. Um, But rather than solve the problem the way that Germany solved the problem and therefore proved that it works, uh, we decided that we were going to create this underground repository. The problem with consuming it like this, trying to use it as a price stabilizer, which is what Biden's trying to do, uh, is that it doesn't work because you have to put back in what you took out, otherwise you destroy its value, obviously, over time, right? I mean, what is the purpose of having this thing if there's nothing in it? So, the, uh, you know, the temporary um, benefit, you could say, well, you know, that's great. But now, okay, uh, fine, except where are you going to get the oil to put back in after you do this? What Biden is proposing to do is to draw it down by about 35%, 34, 35%. So, he intends to take about a third of it, roughly, uh, and, and use it for this purpose. At what price was it bought? And at what price will it have to be bought to replace it? The uh, remember the big conundrum when it comes to oil isn't that we're going to run out? There was all these people saying in the 1970s we're going to run out of oil, and oh my God, we're you know we're hosed. Uh, that was complete BS. What we have what we have run out of, and what we ran out of in the 1970s was cheap oil, the stuff that was really easy to get to and inexpensive. There's plenty of petroleum; you just don't like what it costs. To, to recover it. And the problem with fracking is that while you you take things that are uneconomic to recover because they flow too slowly and you make them flow faster, uh, just like, it, you know, I mean, come on, if you have a gallon jug of water and you drill a little hole in it, it takes a certain amount of time for it to come out. If you drill five big holes in it, it comes out a lot faster, right? And, and then the jug's gone. Well, so if you frack, which does... Make you know some areas recoverable, economically recoverable that weren't before. Uh, all you've done is deplete it at a much faster rate as well. So you have to keep drilling and keep finding and keep doing these things, uh, which which the woke folks out there all say we can't do because that's uh, you know we we have to do supposedly green energy, which is pure nonsense. There is no such thing. Uh, you know as I pointed out a couple of weeks ago it takes half a million pounds of earth dug out of the ground in order to make one EV car battery one and then after you get done digging it out of the ground you have to put that, that earth through ball mills and you have to haul it around in these trucks that get a third of a mile a gallon from the, from the mine to the processing places you end up with mine tailings which are ridiculously toxic because they have all kinds of garbage in them from the processes you have to use to do the separation, which, by the way, involves some very nasty acids, nitric and sulfuric to name two. Uh, and and all of this stuff we shove over there, so to speak, uh, because we don't want it in our backyard in the United States, big shock. And then we try to claim that uh, that somehow this is green. Well, it's not. The the reality is is that a the EV battery is, as the name implies, a battery. It's a storage device. It doesn't release energy. It just does this. So we had five hundred. We, we have five hundred years worth of usable diesel oil and gasoline, along with the ability to produce electricity in coal here in the United States. Adolf Hitler. Nazi Germany used this process, fischer tropsch to turn coal into synfuel. It's actually not all that complicated. It just requires energy as an input. Uh, hydrocarbons, as the name implies, are hydrogen and carbon, and coal is carbon. Well, you have uh, we have all the hydrogen we'd like in the form of water all over the place. Of course, uh, the problem with this is in order to form it into the, st- the chain of molecules you want, uh, you have to put energy into it because that 's the way thermodynamics works uh, but we we could use the thorium, which is a fertile nuclear fuel that is naturally occurring in the coal to power that process, or we could do what sass oil is doing and what Hitler did uh, oil is doing it now in south africa they're they're making sin fuel out of it because it 's cheaper they're actually they,
5: they had huge uh advances I used to see those guys at those money shows because yeah. they were they were because effort effort apartheid you couldn't uh they couldn't have Well, we got a, d- give me a couple minutes to catch up here carl they they claim that the average price i mean you and i know and we're not going to go into a, it here because it'd be a whole class it the, the the production of oil is is very short-term inelastic right so, so i don't really have an issue with um the if, if there's a, a, a problem like now and you were to say okay we've we fallen behind here and we need a little more oil to not have these prices go over to the in place and we put the oil in here at 28 bucks which they they allege on this website uh they I wouldn't have a real problem um until the Ukraine thing is over and and to allow our companies to catch up because they were you know we lost a lot of rigs I would say I wouldn't mind leaking a little out couple hundred thousand barrels a day at uh at a hundred dollars, and we put it in there at twenty-eight, and as soon as these guys catch up and everything's back to equilibrium, I think we could probably replace it at sixty-five. I don't know.
4: But the problem is we're not going to because no. Biden has said that that this is part of a and the entire administration's and there's Joe that this is part of a transition process off of the use of petroleum entirely.
5: Well, I, I never said I was going to do it the same way they did I was just, I'm uh, say I was just
4: that's, that's impossible and anybody that believes that is going to end up freezing okay, it, in it, the middle of the winter but
5: it, it should be possible and I'm saying that I don't think it's all that crazy uh, if, if there is this like I said it doesn't take much in oil if you fall 2% short on your daily oh, yeah. needs, you your you, your price is going to double, and if you get two percent more, the, the, the price is crater. It, that's what that's what's known as an inelastic supply, right? Uh, Correct.
4: It's so, a, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty basic economics when you get down to yeah, it. Yeah, but
5: these guys don't seem to know that.
4: I don't understand. That. Well, they they seem to think that that everything is a political foil to you know do whatever it is that they politically want to do, which I suppose if you can find you know if you can find public well, support for that, that's Carl, fine.
5: Let's, let's dash the break up a, a hair early here so we can go back and get these numbers. And we'll come yep. back to this after we analyze the labor stuff. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term.
0: Stocks,
5: jocks, and stocks, and jocks You are out of control here, Right now. right here, right right Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks I'm Tom Howe, he's Mr. Matt Byrne uh, SP futures are up 17 now NASDAQ futures up 57 Actually the payrolls rose 431000 in March uh, which is a little less maybe than people thought, but it's still uh, unemployment rate 3.6. So looks like a pretty good report for like the second month in a row, but we'll make sure that Carl says it's a good report before I say that. Uh, it looks to me like I said it looks like a good report, but we haven't checked with the professor yet. Nikkei down 155.6% Shanghai up 30. That's a full 1%. Hang Seng up 42.2%, so mixed over there like it usually is. Yesterday, Dow Jones down 550 S&P down 72, Nasdaq down 221. Close really right on its low, which we haven't seen in a long time after the, the, really the couple of weeks before is mutual fund buying on the close. There was like none yesterday. Over in Europe, the DAX up 69.5%, FTSE up 26.3, CAC around up 28.4, uh, bonds up 930, uh, basis points at 2.41, the Bund up 2 basis points, uh, 0.57, Japan unchanged at 0.21, oil, uh, Ninety nine oh eight. Uh, now it's down almost one and a half percent. It's a dollar twenty. Brent down a buck. One hundred three seventy. Again, this is uh coinciding with the president saying he's going to let uh, a whole bunch of oil out of the oil reserve. Natural gas down seven cents. Five fifty six. Our Bob down three cents. Three eleven. We got gold down twenty bucks. Down nineteen thirty three. Silver down thirty nine cents. Twenty four seventy three. And we've got crypto uh, down seven forty five at forty four thousand
2: nine fifty. Yeah, what do you got for us Trevi sports? Yeah, good morning, everyone. It's currently 7:34 a.m. on April 1st, 2022. Let's get you in sports real quick. In NBA last night, the Bulls take down the LA Clippers 130 to 135. Tonight, the Suns at the Memphis Grizzlies at the FedEx Forum. In the NHL last night, Blackhawks beaten pretty badly by Florida Panthers 0 to 4. Tonight, Coyotes at home taking on the Anaheim Ducks. In the NCAA tomorrow, the Final Four, first game Villanova versus Kansas at 5.09 Central Time. And the second game, North Carolina at Duke, 7.49 Central Time. Now in the weather, uh, yeah, still very cold out there, surprisingly for April 1st. Partly cloudy, 34 degrees, high of 41, and a low of 34. In Phoenix, clear skies, 60 degrees, high of 85, and a low of 60. Let's get you into traffic real quick. Uh, intermittent traffic eastbound on Eisenhower between Wedgewood and Plaines, and picks up again at Austin and Independence. Traffic uh, westbound on Eisenhower uh, is actually none right now. It's actually looking pretty good, so there, there, at least he had got that. If he got nothing else for this uh, very snowy April first. Uh, traffic eastbound on Kennedy between Foster and Cumberland Avenue. Traffic westbound on Kennedy between North Avondale and Lawrence Avenue. Intermittent traffic eastbound in the Edens between Kimball and West Fullerton, again at West Division and West Monroe. Traffic westbound in the Edens between 51st and West Randolph Street. And finally, traffic northbound Stevenson between Harlem and South Ketsey. So i got Chief, back to you.
5: Sounds like there's traffic all over the place. What do you think, Carl? I'll let you know my my A1 here uh, beat uh, CNBC by damn near a full minute. Yeah, well, uh,
4: you know, this is an interesting... um, a very interesting report. The if, if you think the Fed is going to back off, uh, boy, you got another thing coming. With numbers come in like this, uh, not at all. Uh, the the employment population ratio is up four ticks last month. Okay, that's a that is a huge move. Uh, the two the two tenths drop in the unemployment rate is, of course, the headline number everybody's going to talk about the household survey uh, for March uh, was up 1.164 million and about a third of that roughly, 430,000 came out of the people want to know what they're doing column.
5: Right, I'm looking at the same kind of net. my number is a little different because you have the better page but um, I'm going to say Carl, the the number that jumps out at me because we were talking about it yesterday with uh, uh, Dan and a couple others was that Despite these alleged labor shortages, we, we're pushing nine hundred thousand people more working than we were at the end of two thousand nineteen.
4: Well, and there's another. Here's here's another interesting thing, though, from the internals, uh, and and this is this doesn't usually happen. Okay, the the hours, the average weekly hours on a whole on a wholesale basis, in other words, for everybody, dropped by a tick. Now each of those tenths of an hour is about well, the last time i did this was a few years ago the actual calculation but it ends up being about five or six hundred thousand jobs it's it's enormous i mean a lot of people don't look at this value and it's on table b2 but it's this is that is a much bigger number than a lot of people think it is all right so that you actually took that down and yet still printed a one point one million in the household survey uh, on ads means that the real value in terms of of actual employment uh was was more around the range of one and a half, which is crazy i mean, that's that's like wild acceleration and the other thing that's interesting is that it, it both, both service providing and goods providing it was down at the the uh the goods producing was down three ticks an hours. Um, the service producing was down a tick. So the, the overtime uh, is, is, is slacking off, which means you're filling, you know, nobody pays time and a half, doesn't have to, right? I mean, nobody wants to do that. So they are filling the jobs. The, the other thing that's kind of interesting is that you're seeing, acceler- you're seeing that, that wage price spiral that everybody talks about being like the nightmare scenario for the Fed. Um well, guess what yeah thirteen cents in average hourly earnings uh come on this month alone um to kind of put some you know some perspective on this uh th- this has run about uh about a buck seventy five over the last year and uh that's uh, you know this is this is slowing down, but the pressure is there on the empl- on the inflationary side so i i think th- I, I think you're you're going to get a whole lot more movement out of the Fed than people are expecting. I, this is I, my guess is 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 you're going to see fiddy increases here uh, for the next few meetings.
5: Um, I have a real simple question. I know I've asked you before. What if somebody has two jobs? How does that count?
4: Um, so, if they have two jobs in the in the household survey, it counts as a job, because they don't ask, how many jobs do you have? They ask, do you have one? Okay. But where it does show up is in the, the average hourly and weekly earnings, okay, obviously in the weekly earnings. It shows up in the hours worked. It's one of the reasons that I think is, yeah, that hours worked column uh, is is one of the unsung Pieces of data in all of this, in, in this report, because it, each tenth of an hour is, is such a huge number in terms of actual job equivalent number of, of people. I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, when the average hours worked is, you know, is, is in the lower end is, is down below that 32 threshold because that's where the Obamacare uh, requirements come in for employers. So anybody that's working part time, they they won't let you go over that because they'll get penalized and they know it. So this is the you know, this is their dodge. Uh, that didn't used to be such a factor, but now it is, and so you've got that. But but I mean these some of these gains in uh, you know in, in average hourly wages, uh, you know you, you're seeing uh, the, the, the pretty significant numbers, and this is ref- this is going to reflect back. Now one interesting thing. Is that in information information processing? Um, you actually saw a, a decrease in average hourly earnings by. It was only a penny, but still, I mean, it, this is not a completely even thing. And the other thing is that in education, and health services, you, you saw no gain either. So there are winners and losers here, um, and and one of the other losers is other other non categorized services. And this bodes especially poorly for people in an inflationary environment. If you're in one of the service-providing jobs that isn't specifically called out in this table, in, in the B3 table, you lost money last month, and not a little either. You went from twenty-eight thirty-one to twenty-eight uh, eighteen. So that's, that's about a seven dollar.
5: Let me help you, uh, my my intelligent friend. Loss. Let me help you, my intelligent friend. Everybody's losing money.
4: Well, I'm just saying. There's, you know, there are places in this table that look like, you know, but you're not staying ahead of inflation. Okay, when I when I look at these numbers and I take this and, and annualize it out and look at it on a percentage basis, very few people are staying ahead of the inflationary impulse. Everybody else is getting hammered.
5: Carl, the the and I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not pulling rank here at all. What I'm saying is, I don't understand, and this is what I the question I want to get to with you. Why, how could possibly be the, the, the collective amnesia regarding this problem? I want I was almost, I almost called you the other day. There was a, cause I was in the car and there's a, some union fight going on here with, uh, I don't know who the hell it is. It's not teachers, it's somebody. And, uh, they're fighting tooth and nail for a six percent raise a year over the next three years. And I'm sitting there thinking, and, and and whoever whoever they 're fighting with, and i don 't know if it's newsprint people or somebody somebody they're they 're offering three, and i 'm sitting there going from my Pullman days without without a cost of living increase. are you out of your freaking mind the inflation well, yeah, the next three like losing money the next three years the inflation's going to be ten percent after that, you know all bets are off, but there 's no way it 's coming back in the next certainly two years, maybe three you you 're negotiating. A union ca- uh, a losing contract, and you can't even get it
4: <laughs> you know. well you're not, not a little losing contract yeah compounded rate of of destruction comes out of that you know the inter- the, the one of the things that I think people are are paying zero attention to is that it, it, part of what has fueled a lot of this this stuff that's been going on is the mobility. You have a lot of people that are fleeing in high cost areas. you look at the net moves in and out of different states and and they're fleeing out of those areas and and they're taking the the essentially what should be a lateral move in housing you have two but you have a bubble in both places you sell a bubble house you buy a bubble house in theory you didn't lose or gain anything right because you just traded one bubble for another and and you know so all right this house should have been worth 300 it's worth five this one should have been worth 300 it's worth five you sold one bought the other you didn't lose anything. You didn't make anything, but you didn't lose right, anything
5: you, you just, you just as long save. as you don't
4: get hit by the capital gains taxes. Okay, but here's the problem with this: The interest rates on mortgages have gone up substantially, and you can't take your three percent mortgage with you. You have to take your your four to four and three quarters. Right. Well,
5: right, but you're but if, if you if if you bought the place three years from now. Three years ago, your mortgage is two eighty anyway. Right, so you you, you have a huge down payment.
4: I I get it, but what I'm saying is, is that the marginal that marginal lateral move that normally in a flat interest rate environment from the two points doesn't hurt you.
2: Well,
5: I mean, we we, you mentioned the uh, as as you know, Carl, when we started doing this together, you were you were the cynical one. Now it's it's kind of flipped. I think. I mean, when it comes when it comes to this particular area, maybe it's maybe it's because we finally landed on inflation, which is the thing that it's all I've studied since I was in college, right? Because then I did it for a place. The, the the biggest winner in inflation is the government. Yeah. Either I mean, they used to even be a bigger winner because we had how many different uh, tax brackets? We had like fifteen, didn't we, or something? So oh I mean, yeah, and
4: if you got bracket bumps, oh boy.
5: Well, so, but it's happening now. I mean. This, this, this $50,000 number, the, the the brackets now are not necessarily, well, we do have still brackets, right? There's still like five different rates. Uh, so you could get bumped up a bracket there, but it also has to do with, um, if you, if you were making 45 grand last year, okay, I'm I'm loving these numbers out there. They, they used to be correct. They may not be. Please feel free to correct me, Carl. I'm going to say the, the number which you got helped. And Obamacare, Medicaid, all kinds of crap, is roughly fifty to fifty-two thousand for a family of four. Now it might be up a little bit right now, right? But the last thing you want is because of a ten percent inflation, and you're making forty-nine grand. Well, you want the ten ten thousand, the ten percent raise. But if you do, how much is that raise going to cost you? In terms of now, you you're supposedly paying your your insurance all yourself and all the other stuff. That's the worst ten percent raise anybody ever got. All because of inflation. Oh, absolutely.
4: Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. And it's and you know the thing is that what the the Fed is so far behind the curve. And this is one of the things that that I mean if you if you think about what we've done from a monetary perspective, from an inflationary perspective, from a from a labor perspective, and and this ties into energy and the SPR and and the stuff that we were talking about before the break. Every every time that the Fed has tried to take the punch bowl and, and say, you know, we're just we're just going to go pick this up, you know, the, the Fed Chair just all he does is walk into the party room. He, he hasn't even actually taken the bowl. All he did was walk into the room with his hands out like he's going to grab it and, and take it out. The market has a hissy fit. It goes down five percent. Oh, the world is ending. We must stop And bam, it stops. Okay. Well. Everybody likes to talk about the the, the United States' ability to do this because of, and and they always come up with something. It's either petrodollar, it's a reserve currency. My opinion, and and I've said this for a long time, is that this is all nonsense. The reason that international trade is denominated and ends up with a storehouse of of U.S. dollar-denominated currency is simply one thing. We are the more stable currency, and all international transactions are performed with a large amount of time involved. So from the time that you decide to order something from another country, it's going to go on a ship, and it's going to, you know, large quantities of things. You know, little stuff can go in a plane, but big things go in ships. And it takes time to dig them out of the ground or do whatever you're going to do, load them on the ship and, and sail them to the other place and unload them. During that period of time, your currency risk is essentially zero because of the stability in the United States dollar. And so that ends up sequestering the inflationary impact of Powell and Yellen and Bernanke's BS that they have practiced for the last 20 years, along with Congress, which is responsible ultimately for all of it because every single dollar of credit emitted by the federal government, and it's not money, you can't print money. You can print credit, but you can't print money. Nobody ever says, "Oh no, that's not money; it's credit." Because if you do that, everybody understands how this works. You get a brand new credit card; it's got twenty thousand dollars line. Happy days are here again, right up until the bill shows up, <laughs> and it always does. <laughs> but we have used that sequestering of those funds that stay overseas because it is the exchange medium for international ch- international trade as a buffering mechanism and we have believed that that buffer is of infinite size and cannot snap back on us. And the reason it hasn't happened is because since the 1970s and early 1980s inflationary spike, we haven't had one. We haven't had one. The- I'm
5: going I'm to say we absolutely have.
4: Well, but you don't see it as as a person here, and the person on the other end doesn't see it over the time of performance of the contract. And that's the important point. From the standpoint of international oh, oh, law, I, in I, I agree. I agree. In some other country, is the value I'm going to get for that shipload of whatever it is I, I understand. It gets to the other side?
5: That, well, I'm with you on this. I, 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 was, I was talking about the, the, the inflation on an individual in the last 20 years.
4: Oh, He's you've been, got yes. you got hammered. You got hammered. But here's the thing all of that, you know. Did, did, everyone talks about the tick data, and you know, okay, this is you know, and, and then the petrodollar thing, you know. The oil. No, the reason oil is traded in dollars is because in the time it takes to ship the oil, you have a, a very good idea of what that money is going to be worth during that period of time. Beyond that, nobody cares. Well, that's why in international well, That's trade. why you're. But now your bitcoin. We've blown is, that
5: up. Yeah, your bitcoin's never going to be a currency because it, it jumps up a the place.
4: Right. But now we've blown that up. Not only have we blown it up with our inflationary environment well, that we have here in the United States. Right, well, but well, we've well, also turned around and said, Oh, by the way, we'll seize it to say, do something we don't
5: want. Like. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh in the way these guys look at it, these guys, whoever these guys are, I'm gonna say I'm gonna disagree with you there, Carl, because you and I know that we've 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 decimated the dollar over the last twenty years. We we, we get that. And we also know that it went into areas that people don't pay as much attention to as gasoline, namely hospitalization, schooling, those kinds of things. And even, but there was inflation, but not in, for whatever reason, the gas pump is like, is like blaring light inflation where you're, like, but when you're sick and it's, and it's a thousand hours more a day for a room than ten years ago, you don't think about it because you're not paying, whatever, whatever it is. But I, I think that what's happened is even though they've decimated the dollar, what you're talking about, is they've done it in a way where if you were to say to anybody, I mean anybody who's you know TV Rick Santelli, you name it, and you say we're decimating the dollar, they would say well, what are you talking about? It's it's right. actually strong compared to the euro, the yen, uh, and whatever else, the the, the, the the British pound, because everybody's been in it together to the point where the the, the traditional piss on the dollar. And have it go down versus the other currencies. That's not happening because they're doing it together. But if you say, for instance, that, uh, a pickup truck is your, is your, is your, uh, uh, store of value or, or a pack of cigarettes like a concentration camp and you rate that against the dollar and you go the other way, you're going to say, wait a minute, this dollar is being decimated, right? Right. So it's a question of which way you look. But most people don't look at the dollar, it's just being another good. It, and, and that really, you could say that, uh, a house, for instance, is, is the, is the, is the, uh, the, the piece of value. Well, in the last year, houses in terms of dollars are up 25%. What does that really mean? It means the dollar's down 25%. But people right. don't look at it that way. Maybe more do that listen to the show than normal. But you and I think that way, because that's the way we we're taught, and that's what's, but as long as, you keep the what you're talking about is you don't want the dollar getting hammered on the way uh, uh, versus the euro or the or the yen while your ship is on the ocean. These, right. guys, these guys have been these guys been very careful to not let that happen.
4: Right, and so but the but the thing is is that what this plus the, the the situation in Ukraine has said to international trade people involved in that business and there's a lot of them and they're all over the world is that not only is that day of knowing that the value that you have from the time you enter into the contract until performance is complete, not only is is that day over and may never come back, but even worse, we in the United States reserve the right to steal all of it at any point in time because you did something we didn't like. Right and that between those two elements of this what we've done is kneecap the, that, and, and what happens when you do that well exactly what Putin is doing now he's saying you will pay for our natural gas in rubles and if you don't like that uh, you're not going to get the gas
5: I can, b- back up a second when you, I've heard that for two days now and in, I'm in, this in my weakest spot here uh, I did pretty good virtually every class at the University of Chicago, Carl, but when I took international economics, and three or four or ten of the guys in class were from Europe, they were so far ahead of me because they, they knew right away when they talked about, what about this bank does this and this bank does that. Right. They knew exactly what was going on. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, I'm from the south side. I've always had dollars in my pocket. I don't know what this other crap was. I had never been to Europe. I didn't realize every 40 feet you're making exchange you're changing to another currency. These guys are so far ahead of me, I was like a, I was like a second grader. You know, I caught up somewhat, but still, um, how exactly, you know, explain to me, I'm a, if you don't know the answer, I'm sorry, I'm jumping on you, but where exactly, if I had to pay somebody in rubles, where the hell would I get a ruble?
4: Well, see, that's the problem right now with the sanctions. There's only one place you can get it, and that's from the Russian Central Bank.
5: So I have to bring my dollars to the Russian Central Bank,
4: well you have to bring your something to the Russian central bank, whatever they will take in exchange. Okay. Um. All right now what they've done is they, they have so Gazprom, which of course is a Russian gas company, right, has a bank, which curiously is not locked out of being able to transact outside the country
5: that was going to be my my final five minutes I was going to talk to you about this exact subject because I if we supposedly have shut all this down how did the hundred million dollars get here on the interest payment and make its way to Blackrock or Coleman or whoever and how are we well, going
4: because p- it, it's not really shut down
5: well how are we going to okay. pay for the uh I remember watching CNBC yesterday but Sullivan was talking about the the sixteen tankers that are still on their way here from right. Russia now how do you what do you open if you, if you if you know the secret knock they open the window for you or what
4: well, you know, this is always the funny thing about the so-called sanctions and so-called international restrictions and stuff. They never work, and the reason they never work is that you end up with, there's, there's always an exception somewhere, all right? And, and what Vlad has said is that we're not going to supply you with fuel if you don't supply us with money. If you don't pay for it, you're not getting it. That's the end of the conversation. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, you, you can't claim that you didn't cause this uh, declaring force majeure is easy when you're the one that caused the force majeure, right? So, the the reality of it is that I've got the valve, and you need what comes out of the other end of the pipe. So you're going to pay me in a format that I'm that is acceptable to me. And if you want to try to sue another country, go right ahead. Good luck with that. the The same thing is true with these tankers full of oil. There, they <laughs> Russia doesn't own the tanker. Okay, the country doesn't own the tanker. Um, If you strand the tanker, if you won't let it unload because you won't pay, then not only have the, I mean, okay, yeah, you stranded the oil. Boy, that sounds like a really good idea. Except the tanker can't move anybody else's cargo. Well, it's got that one in it, can it?
5: Well, well, Carl, Sully was mentioning it was bought under this 45-day window. What's he talking about? What's the window?
4: So there was so when the sanctions were slammed on Russia for this, there was a window for in transit things, and this again it goes back to what I've said about international trade. Everything is performed on relatively long time frames, and so the the, the idea was they didn't want to hose U.S. companies that had said, "All right, we're going to buy this tanker full of oil." But by the way, it takes three weeks for it to sail from wherever it started out, go through the Black Sea and, it, it, you know, come out <laughs> and end up over here in the United States where it could be unloaded. What are you, you, you're going to hose the U.S. oil company that, that, made that, you know, that put that transaction in place by, by doing this when they got something that's in transit? Uh, and they said, no, we're not going to do that. So there is this window, there's a time window where if you had a transaction in process, you can complete it.
5: Okay, so I mean, like everything else, like like wage and price controls under Tricky Dick, there were there were so many exceptions that if, if you were if you had a good lobbyist, you got an exception.
2: Yeah,
4: and it's and you know is this it, it, and the other thing though that people I think are are missing to a large degree with this is that this works both ways because all right, these cargos will get unloaded, but you know what, India and China have refused to join the sanctions. And both of them are major energy importers. Uh, China has to import basically everything other than coal. They have, a, they have a crap ton of coal, but they don't have much of anything else when it comes to energy resources. And so, and, and India, of course, runs a, a huge
5: energy well, a, a, as well. That's a long kick from the Black Sea to India for oil.
4: Well, you know what? It, it is, but that's why you're going to see a lot of pipelines go in from Russia down into China and then down into that part of the world.
5: Carl, we got a dash here, but uh, hey, uh, good stuff today. This is like two two pretty darn good employment uh, in a row. We've got uh, in the last three months, we've got nine hundred or eight hundred thousand people come out of. We don't know what they're doing. i back into work.
4: Yeah, it's uh, this is not a bad report, but this is, this bodes very poorly for people who think rates aren't going up.
5: Well, I don't. I think the Fed still has. I think that the uh, the interest rates for the government and the stock market are still a bigger overseer than inflation. I I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am, Girl. We'll see. We'll see. Talk to you next week, buddy, if not sooner. Be right right back Monday morning, Stocks and Jocks.
3: Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProdirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzy Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HomseyAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.
0: You don't like your job. You don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way.